Jim K. Ford Sends Nation podcast with Steve Warren and the coach, Fred Kennedy. Welcome to the Jim K. Ford Sends Nation podcast, as Big Voice just mentioned. Got lots to get to today. Gonna talk a little bit about a downtown arena. Step closer to reality. In fact, uh, Bruce Garriott. A couple of hours ago, as we record this for Wednesday, June the 22nd, his headline, we're about to find out if the Sens' future will be at La Breton Flats or not. So we'll get into that story for sure. The NHL awards were last night. Not going to spend a lot of time on that because they're really boring. But which current Ottawa senator would you pick up? Would you choose, I should say, to win a major award someday? Got a lot of talent here. Who would you take to win a major award, and what would that award be? We'll also talk about former Senator Matt Karkner, big country, taking a big step in his coaching career. And the NHL coaching carousel continues as Florida turns their back on their Jack Adams nominee. I I don't get that at all. All still ahead today here on the Jim K. Ford Sens Nation podcast. It's Steve Warren along with the coach, Greg Kennedy. How are things, Greg? I'm having a wonderful evening, Steve. Looking forward to Tampa. Uh, evening up the series tonight. I, I really enjoyed the last game, and uh, it was nice to see them finally show up. And uh, I'm, I'm expecting more of the same tonight from Tampa. Was it maybe the – I guess it was the same thing with the New York series. But I'm wondering, you get worked over 7 nothing. That was uniquely bad. I was thinking, is it maybe the thin air of the uh, – of the Mile High State? I don't know, because they certainly did not resemble anything close to the two-time defending Stanley Cup champions in Game 2. Yeah, the old guys The old guys can't handle the thin air. Is that what it is? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Well, there's something to it, I guess. Maybe. I don't know. But it shouldn't, uh, it shouldn't yeah. mean you getting worked like that. That was something else. But, yeah. But just, you think they from, will win tonight? I think so. And, and just from the sake of if I were a Colorado Avalanche fan, I, I'd be okay. It's 7 nothing. That's good. I'm happy with that. But as a, as a nonpartisan uh, spectator, I don't want to see that. I don't want to see seven nothing games in the final, or no matter what the sport is. So just for the sake of okay, maybe they're going to make a series out of it. I was happy to see game game three play out the way it did. Yeah, me too. I think it's such a great matchup. In theory, it should be an amazing long series, hard fought. It would have been a shame, I think, had that thing gone to game four tonight and uh, one team's down o three because nobody's coming back from that. Uh, before we get into the show, I want to, because we end up doing this as a throwaway at the end, I do want to mention SensNationHockey.com and all the cool things you've got there. And I also want to mention, hey, if you could subscribe to the program, make sure you never miss a show, that would be great, or share the show with your friends and followers, because that really helps build things up. So I wanted to get that in, so I don't forget near the end of the show, or, or leave it to Big Voice. When everybody hears Big Voice, they tend to snap off the podcast. So <laughs> anyway... With all, with all that said, let's get into things. we got lots to talk about. Um, and the one that grabbed me, honestly, is the firing today. I don't know if you noticed the firing. Did the Florida Panthers actually fire Andrew Burnett? Or they, I think they said something along that. If he wants to stay, he can. He was the interim head coach of the Florida Panthers. Not only won the Atlantic this year, they won the whole league as far as regular season goes. The President's Trophy champions. Andrew Burnett comes in without any real preparation for the season. Not that we would normally prepare for a season. Because Joel Quenville got fired over the whole Kyle Beach case from, what, 10 years ago. And so Brunette takes over in October very early on, and he's a Jack Adams nominee. They win the President's Trophy. The Panthers have the best season in their history, 
and they let this guy go today to bring in Paul Maurice. What'd you think of that? I was surprised by it. And, and then I started thinking, and I'm just wondering if when it happened, when he originally came in, was it something where the Panthers said, okay, he's just going to babysit, you know, maybe this other stuff will blow over and Quenville will be back or, or was it like, this isn't our guy. He's not the guy we want, but he's here. So we'll let him, you know, babysit for a while. And then next yeah. thing you know, he's doing well, so you can't fire him. So he ends up finishing up the season. But in the end, if you go back to the beginning, he wasn't the guy they wanted. And, and shame on them for firing him now after, sorry, not renewing him or not offering him a contract or however you want to word it. Shame on them after the guy had the success that he had. That That's the sad part now. And I just, I find that, I mean, it's almost insulting. Look at the year this guy had. Look at what he did for your franchise. Whether you thought it could be done anyway because you were so good that, you know, the results were inevitable. Still, I just, I, I, it's shocking and it's insulting, I think. Yeah, I wonder if it is some prearranged action, both from the perspective of the Panthers with Andrew Brunette. Maybe there was some discussion of, okay, this is definitely going to be temporary. Um, maybe that happened. Maybe that discussion occurred. But even more than that, the curious way that you had Paul Maurice leaving the Winnipeg Jets, he just kind of walks away in the middle of the season. Is uh, they, need, they need a new voice. He's kind of, it's just an odd time. You just don't see midseason guys walking away like that. And the fact that he jumped right back into the NHL a few months later now with the Florida Panthers, it made me wonder that with the Florida Panthers having this interim head coach, Andrew Burnett, who hadn't proven himself yet, he's only been on the job for a little bit, maybe they got a hold of Paul Maurice and uh, said, you're going to be our guy next year. And once he, you know, once he had that handshake agreement, he finally decided, you know what, let the Jets go off to someone else. Is that possible, you think? Well, I, let's call a spade a spade. No matter how it was done, no matter what was said at the press conference, Paul Maurice was fired. He'd been there long enough. There was a great deal of respect uh, within the organization uh, between Maurice and uh, and hockey management there. Um, he was fired, okay? Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm pretty sure that it was a look, uh, Mo, it isn't working here. Um, we need to make a change, and we're going to make a change in your department. And, you know, we're going to give you the opportunity to – go out on your sword, resign, whatever, retire, whatever you want to do. Uh, he was fired. There's no doubt in my mind. So he, he basically is a free agent for the whole second half of the season or even longer. And uh, yeah, you're right. He's looking around for a job and he probably would have touched base with a lot of organizations. His, his agent would have. There were a lot of job openings. Um, and here you go. You landed one. Good for you. Yeah. I'm still, still sorry. I still find the thing insulting by Florida. No, I'd agree. And they haven't exactly had a good track record the way they treated Gerard Gallant, basically mm. leaving him at the side of the street there, but inside an opposing <laughs> arena. Okay, yeah, well. you can't come back on the plane with us. What? <laughs> Am I the only one? I I still think that had at the original press conference that Vegas held when they announced Gerard Gallant as their coach, he should have come in in a cab. They should have had him drive up in a taxi cab and hop out for that press conference. They missed it. And Vegas, of all places, you would have thought would have had a, a, an inkling of some sort of idea of doing something sneaky or smart or funny or whatever. I thought they should have done that. when they. Anyway, sorry, I went off topic. <laughs> no, that's a great point because I remember when Mark Stone arrived in Vegas for the first time. Yeah. This, is a, this is a player coming to the rink for the first time, and they had dancing girls and a band playing and fans and – Mark Stone had never seen anything like that in his days in Ottawa, I don't think. Um, so what's going on with coaching is the question. We all know, and you've coached forever. 
even, you know, <laughs> at your level, you can be fired. You get hired to be fired at every level, really, when it get, when you get down to it. Um, but what's going on right now? This is, It just seems to be a whole new level of hired to be fired right now. The whole Bruce Cassidy thing. Guy won 51 games every single season. All six years he was in Boston, the Bruins were above 650 every single year. And now he's out. He's gone. Bye-bye. A seven-game first-round playoff loss, and that's the end of Cassidy. And I even and, and and speaking of weirdness, since DJ Smith arrived as head coach of the Ottawa Senators three years ago, twenty-seven of the other wow. NHL teams have fired their guy at least once since Smith arrived in Ottawa. Like things are getting ridiculous in the world of NHL head coaching, don't you think? I didn't realize it was that high. Wow. There's a trivia yeah. question. We should sit down over a replaint or two and try to name them all. Um, I can give I you just, the five active coaches that, that have coached more consecutive regular season games with their current team than DJ Smith. There are five guys. Five. Pittsburgh. One guy's dominating. Yeah, Pittsburgh's Mike Sullivan uh, is number two. Cooper, at Cooper, Cooper and Sullivan, right? Cooper and That's Sullivan. Right. Cooper 715. Um even Toronto changed since he left, right? He he left. He mm-hmm. was when he left it was still Babcock, right? That's right. Uh Buffalo's had about seven guys. One guy's in the cup final right now. Calgary Detroit. Oh, has he been there that long? Yep. Yeah, well, that's he took right. over from Patrick yeah, yeah, That's right. That's right. Yeah, Jared Bednar at uh, 454, and there are two others. One has a Stanley Cup win. One one was one of the best Eastern teams this year, coach of that team. Okay, well, it's not Boston. It's not Toronto. It's not Florida. It's not Tampa. It's not Washington. It's not the Rangers. It's not the Islanders. <laughs> You're going to name them it's all except Philly. this team. I'm going through all the Eastern teams. Who am I? It's not Montreal. No, one of the best Eastern Carolina, teams. Carolina. Carolina. Rod Brindamore. Rod Brindamore. Yeah. yeah. He's at 288. And Craig one? Berube. Craig Berube oh, with St. Yeah. Louis at 272. Yeah. So but that's just, I, I wonder, does it have, okay, does it have something to do with the cap that expectations are that much uh, higher on your coach? And, you know, we're paying these guys eight, nine, ten million dollars a year. And we don't, you know, yeah, we're paying the coach three or four or five, but it's still cheaper to get rid of the coach. Is that entering into it? I'd like to think it, it's not, but I wonder if expectations are that much higher. I wonder if there's that much of an emphasis now on on what the players think. How are the players happy? Are, are they okay? Are, are they complaining? How are their you know how are their little egos and are they satisfied? Hmm. I wonder if that plays into it because that seems to be a recurring theme for the for a few of the guys that got axed this year. It's the, the rumblings coming out after the fact were, you know, in the exit interviews, the, the kind of messaging wasn't strong or, you know, the messaging was the players were tired of the of the messaging or whatever. You know, I, I wonder if that's part of it. Also, of course, it's a copycat league. We all hear that all the time. So is it like one team does it and another team thinks, you know what? Yeah, maybe we should do that, too. You know, Lou Lamarillo seems to have started it off this year and with the surprising Barry Trotz. And next thing you know, everybody's like, yeah, you know, maybe we should be doing that, too. I just I, have you got a theory on this? What are you thinking? Well, I do, and I would add to. I think that's a good point you made about how loud the player voice is right now. You know, twenty, thirty years ago, it was a coach could easily say, "My way or the highway," and you see what happens when guys have that kind of attitude to do whatever they want. They generally get fired now. I think about Mike Babcock and the routine that he was trying to pull with the Toronto Maple Leafs, 
and get these head games and things like that. Um, the world of guaranteed contracts and insane money, the players have the, a louder voice than ever before. And when the seasons come to an end and GMs have conversations with the top players, like I feel like if Brady Kachuk doesn't like DJ Smith, DJ Smith is about a week to, you know, to live as a coach. You know, he's, 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 he's on the way out. So players, absolutely, that's a good point. Uh, definitely have a louder voice than they used to have. But there's a couple of other things I think that play into this as well in that it's become so hard to win just because of numbers. This isn't 1980 anymore where you have, what, five of 21 NHL teams miss out on the postseason. Now you get 16, half the league of 32 are basically asked to go away every spring. Don't make the playoffs. So right, you have, at the moment, the likelihood of winning it all is, an, is at an all-time low. But yep. the expectations and the pressure to win it all or go very deep are now at an all-time high because of things like all sports stations and these insanely ravenous fan bases and the social media. You know, you've got this passion level like we've never seen, and everyone dissects everything about every NHL team. So all this pressure that exists at the time when it's the hardest to win, I think you get a case of, okay, a GM gets that pressure on his shoulders. He's got to, he's trying to keep his job when everybody's freaking out, when things go badly and he'll do whatever he has to do to diffuse things, including doing it at an unreasonable time, getting rid of a coach who probably still has lots of tread left on his tire, but you need to keep your job with all this pressure and it's so hard to win. I think that's why so many GMs are making the moves that they are. Um, but you think about John Cooper from a, just a couple of years yeah. ago. That's, that's the cautionary tale. He could easily have been punted in 2019 after getting swept in the first round by Columbus. You tell me Tampa's not. And then this is how championship franchises behave, by the way. Had they, had they decided to do what basically Florida did today, they'd have missed out on two Stanley Cups, 11 straight playoff series wins, and, and working on a third cup ring right now. Yeah, and I, and I, it'll be very interesting, Steve. I wonder how many of these changes are going to work to their benefit. I wonder how many of these teams, maybe down the line, might go, geez, you know, that didn't work. <laughs> you know, I, I think of John Tortorella going into Philly, who I think is a team going down. Mm-hmm. I think Boston is a team going down. So they, they might have gone down if they hadn't made their changes. But now you've done this. Is there a coach bump like we always see, but that's normally associated with a midseason change? How many of these teams are actually going to get better because they've made these changes? And I'll be real interested to see. We should check in and maybe make a note to check it out. I don't know. American Thanksgiving seems to be a big date NHL stat-wise. Let's take a look at it then and see how these teams are doing. All right, time to do a little business here. And ladies and gentlemen... If you're thinking about a nice used vehicle for the summer, maybe a little uncertain about it, you want to make a smart choice? Well, Jim K. Ford, our title sponsor, removes all of your worries, and we hope to give them a shot. Jim K. Ford is your Ottawa-certified pre-owned Ford dealer. How about a 12-month, 20,000-kilometer limited warranty coverage? Full history report of the vehicle, purchase financing rates 1.99%, 24-hour roadside assistance, and more. That's peace of mind. Check out JimK4.com, 1438 Uville Drive in Orleans. Any surprises for you at the NHL Awards last night? Austin Matthews certainly cleaning up with both a Hart Trophy win and a Ted Lindsay Award. One is MVP as voted on by the writers, the other from the players. 
Your Vesna winner is Shesterkin. Your Calder winner is Cider in Detroit. And the Norris Trophy winner, knows, well, a bit of a surprise there. I guess Kale McCarr beating out Roman Yossi, who is the defensive scoring leader in the league. Any surprises for you? I was surprised by that one right there, McCarr and Yossi. I thought, Yossi, like, my God, he almost had 100 points. Like, <laughs> come on. And, and doesn't win. And I, I don't know how often it's happened. He had more first place votes, but didn't win. And at least one clown didn't have him on his ballot. I can't wow. wait to see it. It'll probably, yeah, you got to check your PWHA website because eventually they will show every guy and who they voted for. I want to see, was it some guy in Denver who covers <laughs> covers the avalanche who didn't have Roman Yossi on his ballot? Like, who were the five defensemen that you thought were better than Roman Yossi? That yeah. one really surprised me. And, of course, they kept showing him all night. Like, he's the new Henrik Lundqvist of the league. My God, what a good-looking man. <laughs> and they kept showing him. I thought, okay, he's going to win. You know, they've been showing him all night. And, and then he doesn't win. And then you hear about this voting stuff, and I'm like, this is ridiculous. What What happened there? Yeah. What's what surprised you? Uh, I think that one, uh, when you get down to it, I think it. Uh, I'd like to see the writers lose the vote and give it all to the players. They seem to be fine to give the Ted Lindsay Award out. I think the players would be more objective and I think more expertise behind their votes. So I, you know, with all due respect to my friends in the media, uh, I would absolutely decide give it give it all to the players. But I'd agree with you. I thought Kale McCarr would win, though. Um, I don't think he should have, but he's had the hype machine for so long now. Like most of this season, people were saying that, like like they just discovered the Beatles. You know, yeah, I went into a bar last night. That I saw the Beatles. They were unbelievable. You should go see them. That's how I felt about Kale McCarr. Everybody who flipped on a microphone in sports radio, Kale McCarr, you got to see Kale McCarr, Kale McCarr, this, Kale McCarr, that. Whereas Roman Yossi... He's been a steady Eddie for a long time and had just an eruption offensively this year. Uh, I just don't think he had the uh, the push behind him that Kale McCarr did. I think the hype machine is what won it for McCarr. It was still a close vote, but I think mm-hmm. that uh, all the headlines about McCarr was what won the day for him. Sure. And and what did you think of the fashion uh, statements that were made last night, Steve? Oof. I don't know what Austin Matthews was up to. I mean, I don't want to get in too much to you know, the, the receding hairline. A lot of people did. Um, that's stuff that people can't do anything about. So I'm, I like to not touch those things, but in terms of the fashion choices, well, you can do a lot about that. And that was a bit, I don't know, flashy. He had the, uh, basically had the long gold necklace going and the, the shirt, you know, with about four buttons undone and the long hair going. A lot of people were comparing him to porn star, Ron Jeremy. Yeah. Ron Jeremy was trending today. Because of that, yeah, in Canada, he was, he was. Yeah. I just I, like what happened to wearing a suit, suit, uh, suit and tie, and and can we not like put some funds together and buy these guys some socks? Yeah, yeah, just, uh, whatever. I'm, I'm not. I'm sorry. I'm an old man. I guess I just thought I'd. You can still look cool. You can still look flashy in a shirt and tie, like in, and socks. Like you don't quite have to go that extreme. I think, but. I don't know who am I to say how how current fashion trends are. I thought the star of the night was Keenan Thompson from Saturday Night Live. If for nothing else, and the way he signed off, basically Matthews had just gotten the Hart Trophy, and it was credits were about to roll. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. The yeah. walk off music had started, and he's just saying good night to everybody. All right, and uh, so congratulations to Austin Matthews. Nice to see the Leafs win something finally in June. 
And then I swear to God, I think they, they caught his mic at that stage. Like, oh yeah, my God, it seemed like it. <laughs> they're mocking a leaf. Got his mic, cut his mic, go to, go to commercial. And I thought it was great. Keenan Thompson is now one of my new favorites. I thought that was a great line. <laughs> he had a few over yeah. the course of the night. It was just a shame that it's just, it, it, it just, they a lot of stuff seems to fall flat. It's like the crowd is not, uh, I don't know, like they're all just bored or something. You're cringing at some of the things, but some of the stuff, he had some good stuff. The, the, he took some shots at Tampa. He talked about, well, he's their good luck charm. I thought he was pretty good considering yeah. all things considered uh, it, it, like he did. All right. I think they might've just hired him three days ago or something. Hey, you doing anything uh, Tuesday night, pal? Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, he did no, good. he classed up the joint for sure. And I thought that it was a pretty low budget looking operation. And I know you were a little annoyed as a, as a longtime oh. hockey fan with, uh, with the way a Prescott NHL legend was treated in that one. Yeah, I don't know if anybody else noticed it. I I tweeted about it, but I nobody. I got a couple comments, but they put up a in the in memoriam uh, section of the show, which I love. I just thought that's they should do that every year. They do now lately. The last few years, I love it. Um, but they put up a shot of Leo Boyvin, and it wasn't Leo Boyvin. It was it was Dallas Smith. And I even like immediately as soon as I looked at it, I went. Now I know they both wore number twenty, but that is not Leo Boyvin. And I a buddy of mine. Uh, went online today and put in Leo Boyvin images in Google and up came these pictures. And one of them was from a tweet in 2016 from the NHL uh, mentioning that it was Leo Boyvin's on this day in history, Leo Boyvin was born in Prescott, Ontario. And the picture was the same one. And the comments after that tweet were all, uh, no, sorry, that's Dallas Smith. Like the, Dallas Smith joined the Bruins in 65, 66. Leo Boyvin had been traded two months earlier up until the day he was traded, he wore the C. So, and then Dallas Smith took over number 20. So it's just, it's not even like it, there shouldn't be any excuse for it. It's clearly Dallas Smith. And I even tweeted and I mentioned at NHL and I mentioned at Bruins in the tweet and I got no comment back from either of them. I just think if I'm Leo Boyvin's family down there in Prescott, I'm not too impressed. Yeah. And I think it's just, it's, it's, it's a, how many of the, Audience members remember Leo Boyvin and Dallas Smith. That's what it comes down to. You look at Leo Boyvin, I look back at some of his old hockey cards. It's, not, it's night and day. Dallas Smith actually had a receding hairline starting up in, yeah. the, in the photo they used. It's uh, And using something from the same era, it's like Burt Reynolds passing away and using a Robert Redford photo. It's like that, that <laughs> to me, it was that stark a difference. Moving on, though. Who are our, who are our Sens Award winners? Yeah. So who do you think if you were to pick someone from the core right now? And we all think they got four guys up front, maybe two on the back end right now. You know, there's, there's six guys right away. That would be the usual suspects you'd think about. If you take one of those guys, you know, who do you think would be the next major Ottawa Senator winner of a major NHL award? Who would it be? And what would the award be? I've chosen yeah, mine. What I, do you I, think? Yeah, I know you liked one of mine too. I, I'm I'm at two things. I'm I'm thinking that maybe someday Josh Norris or Shane Pinto could get some some uh, selkie consideration, okay. and I'm thinking maybe someday uh, Sanderson gets some Norris consideration. But I just I can't see anything else. Like you and I were talking before we turned on the mics here. Like, how does one of the big guys up front ever surpass? a McDavid or a Matthews or a McKinnon or a whoever to, to get heart consideration. I just, I can't see that happening. Uh, yeah. Does a, 
does a, a Timmy Stutzla, if he loses the, uh, the stigma that he's a diver, if that goes away, is he possibly a Lady Bing candidate in the future? There's, there's, nobody's going to win a biggie unless it's Sanderson and Norris, which I think is the way you're leading, right? I think Sanderson, I, I, I don't even know if he's going to make the team right now, but yeah. <laughs> I think right now I look at that, that might be the, but again, you have, you have Kale McCarr, who's not that much older, who's going to be around, you know, blocking, trophy blocking on the Ottawa Senators defense. But Sanderson would seem like a, a decent choice. I've seen enough of Thomas Shabbat where I, I really like the defenseman. He's a good puck mover, but I, I don't think he's, he's, he's not a guy, I, I don't see him emerging as a top five in the NHL kind of a defenseman, or he would have been there already. I think what you got right now, he's a he's a very good top 15 to top 20 defenseman in the NHL. He's a clear number one defenseman in the league, but he's not in that true upper echelon, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then oh, Josh right. Norris, Josh Norris would be the one guy I'd look at it. Maybe a Rocket Richard trophy someday, but uh, hmm. he, he's going to have to step on He's, he's going to have to keep it going. I mean, he's got a really high shooting percentage, so that doesn't bode well. But uh, to be in the low 40s at this stage in his career, you never know. Oh, that's a good point. I hadn't even thought of that one. So on to this story from Bruce Garriock that just came out. The headline reads, we're about to find out if Senator's future will likely be at LeBreton Flats. The NCC's board of directors are going to meet on Thursday. That's tomorrow as we're recording this, Thursday, June 23rd. And the group is expected to announce an agreement in principle with the preferred bidder. What we don't know is who the bidders are. We know the Sens, and I've not heard anybody else. Perhaps Oseg's in that mix as well? Sounds like they are, but I've not heard anything conclusive on that. Uh, and there's multiple bidders, according to the uh, reports we're seeing. And uh, it would be interesting if Oseg is in there and wins these rights because I think that that would be, we'd be at the first step in the path of Oseg one day owning the Ottawa Senators. That's just my opinion. I think it would just make nothing but sense. Roger Greenberg's already on on record as saying that's something that Oseg would indeed entertain. It, it's a cart before the horse, of course. But if the if Olivia Melnick and Anna Melnick decide they want to sell the team, then they'd be interested. And certainly... If the Sens are definitely shut out of the LeBreton process and building there and building an arena there, I think at least a partnership uh, could be uh, brewing should uh, should Oseg be involved in this. Yeah, I think you're right. Because uh, let's face it, the, the worst scenario for the Ottawa Senators would be somebody else owns the building and they're a tenant. That is right. not what you want as an owner of, a, of an NHL hockey club. You don't want to be a tenant and paying rent and, and dealing with other tenants and, and not necessarily having first right of refusal on dates and, and negotiating things. And it, it would not bode well. So then the other side of it is, okay, I, I mean, I heard some people talk about this last week. Is it possible that the senators maybe don't get this, but then build their own rink somewhere else? <laughs> wow. If, if I'm a guy putting in a bar and a restaurant and stores and like if I'm building something there like like they have at Lansdowne, but I don't have the hockey team, is anybody coming to my bar, my restaurant and my whatever when, uh, you know, the Senators are, are somewhere else in town having a game that night? So I, I, I think not having the Senators there would be horrible from a business standpoint for the whole area. Um, and I also think not 
the senators not owning the rink would not bode well for them. So what's the logical kind of uh, sawed off in the middle is, yeah, like you just said, maybe it's, maybe it is OSEG and they end up being a partner with the senators as an ownership partner. And, and it, and it works out that way. That's, that seems to be the only way that would work if the senators don't win. Yeah. Six, seven years ago is supposed to be exactly that way. They uh, yeah. had Melnick and John Ruddy getting together and they were supposed to have a partnership to redevelop Lansdowne and or not Lansdowne, uh, the LeBreton Flats area and, and not just a rink, the whole darn thing. And then it fell apart mm-hmm. and there's lawsuits going around now. So um, who knows? I mean, I, what I do think, though, is that whatever name the, the NCC announces yet, tomorrow uh, as, a, as they preferred bidder status, I think that that announcement, whoever that is, that will at least be a partner in the ownership moving forward of the Ottawa Senators, if not the outright owners. That's what I think. Yeah, I, I just don't know that the Senators, the Melnicks, have the money to do it on their own. Let's face it, if they could have done it on their own, then Eugene would have done it on his own a long time ago. He wouldn't have ever entered into any of these original failed partnerships and lawsuits and all that stuff if he could afford to do it on his own. And he can't. And he couldn't. And I don't know that they can now. So you better suck it up and say, okay, we need to be nice with people and make something work here so that this can happen. Unless they take the hardline approach of if it's not going to be us, then we're going to pick up our toys and go somewhere else and build our own rink. I don't know where, but somewhere else. And the the whole partner idea is certainly what throws cold water on that. Even though there's been, like they did a World Junior bid together, OSEG and the senators, they tried to get a world junior bid and they ended up losing it, but that showed some cooperation. But that's not enough to erase a billion dollar lawsuit that's before the courts still. So right now, you've still got Melnick's side of things, even after his passing, Melnick's side of things, suing John Ruddy for $700 million in damages. Then Ruddy countersued for a billion dollars and the lawsuit's still before the courts. So things are still very litigious, contentious between the two groups. So if I had to make an ultimate decision, I would say this, that I think whoever ends up winning the LeBreton development rights tomorrow, I think that will actually be the outright owner of the Ottawa Senators before, wow. I'm going to say, within within two, three years. Is this the last ditch? Okay, we're going to we're gonna try this on our own. We've put in a bid to the NCC. We're going to try to you know own the rink and have our rights to it. And if that fails, then all right, now we'll go talk to somebody about selling. Okay, that'll do it for today's show. Our next show, we're going to talk some Alfredson because on Monday, here's a big announcement happening on Thursday with the whole rink thing, but Monday's a big announcement too. Hockey Hall of Fame decides on its 2022 class and sends fans at their fingers crossed that this is finally Daniel Alfredson's time. So we'll talk about that in our next episode. That'll be released on the day of the Hockey Hall of Fame announcement. That'll be on Monday. So until then, thank you for being with us. Don't forget our website is SensNationHockey.com. we got our merch site where you can grab yourself a nice Sens Nation Hockey mug. Coffee tastes better in a Sens Nation Hockey mug. You know that, Greg. You know that as well as anybody, oh. right? <laughs> yeah. oh, got sure. a T-shirt there as well. So SensNationHockey.com, thank you for being with us. Greg, we'll talk to you soon. Enjoy the game tonight, my friend. You too. Thanks for being with us on the Jim K. Ford Sens Nation Podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe and review. Share the show with your friends and followers or become a member on Patreon. Check out our website today at SendsNationHockey.com.